Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, Episode 2, Comic Palooza 2013 Report. Listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm here with my guest. Hello, I'm Chris, uh, at Chris Jen, K R I S G E N, on Twitter. And Chris and I just went to Comet Palooza here in Houston, where Zoe Palmer and Chris Holden Reed were in attendance, and we thought we'd do a little con report and play some clips from the panel that they did. They did a question and answer panel, which was pretty fun, and uh, we'll maybe add some a little commentary to some of their answers, and then we'll also talk about our personal interactions with with Chris and Zoe at their tables where they were giving autographs. So I interacted with Chris and Zoe a couple of times at their tables where they were giving autographs. I got my picture taken with both of them. And I actually, I asked them each a a question about the show over there. I asked, I asked Chris Holden Reed about Dyson and his love for the song Hungry Like the Wolf. Because I came up to him and I was like, so clearly we know now that that Hungry Like the Wolf is Dyson's jam. But clearly he doesn't dance like that whenever he hears it usually. How do you think he usually reacts when he hears Hungry Like the Wolf? And I was surprised. He said, actually, I think that Dyson can't stand that song. I don't think he would ever listen to Duran Duran. He probably turns the radio to another station or turns the, cha- turns the radio off when that, when that song comes on. And that, that actually kind of surprises me. I, 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 think, I think really what's happening here is that adult Dyson is trying to be way too cool to admit that his teenage self would have loved Duran Duran. Entirely probable. <laughs> because he was like, no, 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 Dyson doesn't listen to Duran Duran or Depeche Mode. He listens to, like, Zeppelin, you know, which is totally the band that, that cool guys go to when they want to seem like they've got cred is Led Zeppelin. So I, 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 call, I call false on, on Chris Holden Reed's response to that. <laughs> I think Teen Dyson would have loved Duran Duran. And then Zoe, I guess actually I said a couple of things to her, but I, I remember mentioning that uh, I was looking forward to season four and I was really hoping that in season four that Lauren would get a friend. And, and she was like, I know, she needs like a cat or something. <laughs> Which made me think, oh, even Zoe thinks that, you know, Lauren needs a buddy. Poor lonely Lauren. And then the other question I asked Zoe was, which she preferred, slapping Tamsin or punching Vex? And she said that she preferred punching Vex because he felt like she felt like he really deserved that, and plus she really, she really likes Paul Amos. They're really good friends, and she she always likes working with him. So, there's a couple other tidbits from Chris and Zoe for you. How about how about you, Chris? Did you ask them any questions at the table? Um, I don't think I did. I will add that they're both really good huggers. I did not get hugged by either of them. I did not ask for hugs. Let me let me first say I did not ask for hugs, but I got hugs, and um, they were nice hugs. I appreciated it, and was horribly awkward talking to both of them. You gave them scarves, though. I did. I, I knit. I knit a lot, and uh, it's one of those things I've been knitting for my Etsy shop a lot. And I like it, but but it's just one of those I much prefer knitting for people. I don't know, at some point I just decided I was going to do it. And of course, it's one of those, like the whole time I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm actually going to go through with this and, you know, give them these scarves. 
but I did. I did actually uh, gave gave a scarf to Zoe on Friday and finally finished Chris's on Saturday night. So we gave it to him Sunday. But 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 I got hugged for the scarves. They at least seem to to get it. Because some people you give knit goods to and and they just kind of don't know what to say. But but I think they appreciated them in in the uh, spirit with which they were given. Well, Chris said he he thought the scarf would be useful, didn't he? He did. He he said, "Oh, you know, this is great. I'm going to use this. It's it's freaking cold in Toronto, I believe is what he actually said." So, uh said he was wearing a wool scarf when he got on the plane to come to Houston, which I thought was crazy. But yes, they were very, both very nice people, very sweet. Totally worth it if you can go see them at a con. They're both very funny and very personable, so go so t- nice. So nice. Go try to see them. My co-host Annie wasn't able to be around for the initial recording of this episode, but she did want to contribute her stories about interacting with Chris and Zoe at Comic Palooza. I went to Comic Palooza specifically to meet Zoe and Chris because I'm a new Lost Girl fan. I uh, am a newbie. I've only been watching since the beginning of season three, but crammed in all of seasons one and two uh, within about a week. Went up to Zoe and was very nervous. I've done a lot of cons. I've met a lot of celebrities, but it's kind of hard when you're you know, new and meeting somebody whose work you really admire. So I was—I specifically made up a shirt instead of uh, "Got Milk," it said "Got Documents." And so she saw my shirt and she was like, "Oh, well done, Hugh! Fantastic!" I was like, "Thank you." So I uh, had her sign a picture from the uh, Phase White shot where she's in the dress. A lot of people like that Lauren shot. And I asked her. I said, "You know, I love this shot. You know, of Lauren going down the stairs and." You know, how was it to shoot that scene? I'll bet you were just thinking, how am I going to get down those stairs in these heels? And she goes, yeah, I fell about four times. <laughs> so, um, and then I asked her about season four. She said they were going to shoot in about a week and a half, but they just, you know, don't get the scripts out until the last minute just because they don't want stuff going on the Internet or anything. But so kind and so sweet. What everybody says, um, it really was true. I was so nervous that later I went back to talk to her and I told her, I said, I know you get this all the time with you and Anna, but um, of how much Lost Girl really means to me as a lesbian to see uh, Bo and Lauren represented on screen. And she says, we know that. And she just made eye contact with me. And it was a really, uh, it was a moment I was not expecting to get emotional, um, but I did. And that was uh, meant a lot. And um, this was all in the first day. So later in the day, I did the photo shoot with them. It's so silly because there were only about five of us lined up. So I did a picture with Chris, and then I did a picture with uh, Zoe and Chris. And because I was wearing my Get Docubus shirt, I said to Chris, I said, well, you can do like a boo Docubus sign, and Zoe, you could do like a yay Docubus sign. And Zoe's like, well, I could just jump into your arms instead. (laughs) I said, oh, well, I don't know if that's going to work out. But then they're like, okay, exit out the photo booth and go around to the other side if you still have another separate photo op. And I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous. Can't we just stay there? So I'm exiting out of the photo booth and running around to the other side. And I'm going in and I'm like, I'm doing laps. They're making me do laps. And Chris and Zoe were just laughing. They thought it was so funny. Um, but they both wanted to know because I was wearing the light fate pendant. They're like, where did you get this? And I'm like, you just go online to uh, the designer's site. I forget the name. But, um, you know, a lot of Lost Girl fans have, uh, have ordered it from there. And Zoe said that's the one thing she wants when the show ends, a light fade pendant. And uh, I said, and the lab coat. you got to have the lab coat. Yeah, it was um, fantastic. So I got to chat with both of them, you know, on and off during the weekend. And Chris was so sweet because I said I'm going to Fan Expo in August. So 
hopefully see you then. And he goes, and he goes, where are you staying? I said, somewhere downtown. I'm not sure where. And uh, he says, okay, well, um, you know, what's good to eat around there? Or so I said something like that. So he takes out, you know, like a piece of paper. He starts drawing me a map going, okay, do you like seafood? Do you like Italian? And gives me this list of restaurants and a map of downtown where my hotel is so I can figure out where to eat. And that was such a sweet thing for him to do. And they both give great hugs. You know, and I really give Zoe credit because she had a cold that weekend and tell she's kind of dragging a bit by the end of the weekend. So I, I uh, thank her for putting up with, you know, people like me that kept running back every day. Thank you for sharing that with us, Annie. Now, let's move on to the panel. First, I want to say thank you to Heather at Today I'm Obsessed on Tumblr. She recorded video of the panel and allowed me to extract the audio from her video so that I could include sound clips in the podcast. So thank you, Heather. We're going to just play some of the questions and answers from the panel, but you can watch the entire thing over on Heather's Tumblr. I will include links to those videos in the show notes at drinksatthedoll.com. These will be in the show notes for episode two. Heather also has write-ups of her interactions with Chris Holden-Reed and Zoe Palmer at Comic Palooza, so you might be interested in reading those as well. Like I said, we are not going to listen to the entire panel. I pulled out clips of questions that were related specifically to Lost Girl and those that the actors were able to answer. They didn't have the answers or they couldn't answer a few of the questions, so I did not include those. There's also a very funny story that Chris tells about filming a sex scene with Anna Silk, which I did not include, because there just really wasn't anything more we could say to add to that story. Uh, so you can you can listen to it over in the full er- version of the panel. It's toward the beginning. I think it's the fourth or fifth question. So let's get started. We're going to start with actually two clips. There were two questions asked about the episode Original Skin from Season 2, which is the episode where everyone switched bodies. And I combined both of the questions so that we could talk about them at the same time. My question... Um and, and comment, uh, the episode where everybody switched bodies, which is amazing, by the way. Your take on Kenzie. <laughs> oh I have to ask, just anything and everything that you can mention about that, please, because that was very memorable. <laughs> well, the real trick with that was Ksenia Solo lent me her really small underwear. <laughs> Yeah, that episode was so much fun for all of us because it was like theater school. We were all in the bar, so we couldn't meet because of the fake forces. And um, we just sat there and really helped each other out. You know, it was, we would read each other's lines for us. I, I have a video of Celia and Anna doing the scene that I did with my friend, Lady Bubble. Southern police officer, officer guy. And it was really, we really just helped each other. You know, because I knew her, she's like, how, how would you do this? And, you know, I had to do this. It was, it was so much, I think it was the most fun we've all had together. Yeah, we don't ever get to spend that much time together on set. We, you know, we all are more different scenes than each other. So, so it's rare that we get to sort of spend that much time in one episode. The I know. I'm not going. I mean, well, I didn't really get to copy anybody because I played somebody who wasn't one of us, so I kind of had to make up crazy pants all by myself. <laughs> I got my, I got my own crazy. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I didn't get the opportunity to study anybody. The, the guy who I was playing, he only did a, a few minutes of a, of a scene. Like, 
very ambiguous. It was like a minute of a scene that I sort of had to then take what I saw from him and, and create Raynard. And um, it, it was one of the more challenging things I've had to do because just, you know, it was, uh, it was really out there. The character is so out there. I really had to abandon any, any sense of being self-conscious and just being self-aware and just go for it. And it was one of those characters that you just have to, you really have to check your ego at the door when they say action, you have to go a thousand percent. And so, you know, I, I, I can't really watch it, to be honest with you. It makes me want to sort of kill myself, but, but it was a big challenge. And I was the opposite. I had so much great footage. Ksenia worked with it. You know, Ksenia, she's fantastic. And I would go over to her apartment and her mom would film us. And swap the whole back and forth. And, uh, and she'd do little tips. And then I would just watch her body language. You know, she kind of tucks up. She's got a little cat. She's got a little on the bar. You know, it's kind of awkward to get my sister to the brain. It worked out well. So I had heard what Chris Holden Reed had mentioned about working with Ksenia to get his take on Kenzie Wright before. But I hadn't heard Zoe talk about how she developed Raynard because I was always curious if she based her portrayal off of how the guest star did it or if the guest star based his portrayal off of how Zoe had done it. So that was interesting to hear that she based her portrayal off of him. Because watching that episode, it always seems to me that the way that Anna Silk plays Raynard is kind of different from the way that Zoe Palmer plays Raynard. But, and, and like, I prefer, actually, I think, the way that Anna Silk does it. He's a little less overtly crazy pants, as Zoe Palmer puts it. But it seems like Zoe Palmer played it that way because the, the guest actor had chosen to do it that way. And I thought that was interesting. I did, I did find it interesting that uh, Zoe basically said that she doesn't really love that performance. But, um, or, or at least that she doesn't like watching it. Here's the next question. Um, I was just wondering, um, in the episode where um, Bo kills an audience, sorry, spoilers, guys. Do you remember what was? <laughs> do you remember what was going through Lauren's mind when she was witnessing that? Because he did a brilliant job of just expressing so well everything that the audience was feeling, but any specifics you could give us on that would be amazing. Well, thank you very much for finding you. Um, I remember that scene was a really tough scene to shoot because, especially for the girl playing Nadia Karkanis, who's a tremendously talented and beautiful actress, like, she had to kind of really embody all of this stuff, and she took a long time to shoot. So I remember it being a complicated scene. It was really long. It's one of the longest scenes I've shot on the show. Um, and then in terms of character stuff, it was crazy because Lauren actually asked Spo to kill Nadia, which was a great, um, I think, a great choice on behalf of the writers to have that be the case that I had to ask her to kill my person, my girlfriend. So I think it was like, a, it was a really lovely moment to act because it was a huge swing between I desperately needed her to do this thing, which was going to be devastating at the end of the day. So it was, as an actor, one of those moments that you kind of hope for, you know, that you get to kind of play all the intricacies of what that might be. And then I had to imagine that, which is almost impossible, just about to imagine that scenario and how one would react to it. And all you can sort of do is, is be as present and open in the scene for that kind of a scene and just hope that you organically find it. But yeah, it was a, it was a great scene to shoot, but a tough one.
I'm actually glad that that someone had asked Zoe that question because uh, I thought her in- her answer was interesting that that she appreciated that the writers wrote it the way they did that basically Lauren is complicit in Nadia's murder essentially that that she asks Bo to kill her so it's one of those things where you know there's this horrible thing happening and and Bo has to kill Lauren's girlfriend but but it's one of those things that the way it's portrayed, it goes to basically the core of Bo's character that that Bo, you know, more than anything is is driven by compassion and love. Bo is a, a deeply protective person, so I think all of that is is part of the motivation for that horrible act of of killing Nadia that she did it to protect Lauren. Here's the next question. At the end of season three, there's a lot of questions about Lauren slash Karen, whoever. <laughs> and, you know, where is, uh, you know, where is Lauren, which is a hashtag for Twitter now. Um, but, um, she's here in Texas. <laughs> but, um, but she had that whole scene with Bo, where she Bo about how the fate ruined her life, and... But she says to Bo, you know, I love you, past tense. And, you know, we assume she's saying all this just to convince Taft that she's on his uh, side. So the question is to you, do you think Lauren really still loves Bo? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that she does. I would say she absolutely does. I, I can't. I don't think that she's in any way a fickle person. I think that she absolutely loves both. I think that it, it has become way more complicated, despite her knowing. Lauren always knew that the relationship was going to be tricky, being that she was dating a sex fiend. Yeah. Which is difficult in any relationship. <laughs> but I think that... Um, you know, I think it's that thing when you when your heart gets as crushed as I think hers did. You try to protect yourself, you know. And I think that Lord might be in a place right now at the end of the season where you know you try to sort of cut something off so that you don't feel it for a while. So I think at the end of the day, she for sure is, is still love I think it's, I think she needs to protect herself. I really liked. Zoe's response that that she didn't think that Lauren was at all a fickle person because I've you know I I get that sense from Lauren you know that and they've always talked about this how how Lauren's such a deeply passionate and involved kind of person that we often see with the science and and whatnot but that it also is is about Bo too which I guess is sort of a redundant thing for me to point out talking about passion. But anyway, I liked that response that Lauren is not a fickle person at all. So the next question is actually the question that I asked and it's about Vexed from season one. My question was about episode eight of the first season, which I know was the pilot. But it looks like uh, the scenes with the most of the scenes with Bo and Lauren might have been filmed much later because Anna's hair is a lot more. <laughs> and I was just wondering, was the pilot like in shorts and they had to add those later, or were scenes replaced, or why were those filmed later? There was a problem with the film. We originally thought we had to replace the footage. Uh, we did some reshoots. We did some reshoots. So good eye. 
<laughs> but those scenes were originally compiled and they just had to I was very thankful to have an answer to that question. That has been bugging me for a while. <laughs> and maybe it seems petty to some people, but it was just so clearly some scenes were f- filmed later than other scenes. Okay, and moving on to the next question. Do you guys think of a crossover with any other show? What would it be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would want to do something. It's not even, I'm not even think they shoot it anymore, but Torchwood. <laughs> Oh, you should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, that I really like. Wow, I'm really looking forward to watching TV. Uh, I love Game of Thrones, but I think I, I, I know, I just met Patrick Stewart, so I'm thinking Star Trek. There's very few shows that affect, like, Star Trek Next Generation, I think I would watch seven hours of that and I keep watching it. It's, I, want, I have a five-year-old kid and I'm like, that's one of the shows I'm like, you're going to watch at some point. You hope you like space. It's such a poor thing to show you. Know, it has so many amazing things talking about society and philosophy and space and future and time and all that fun stuff. Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, they're genre fans because I... I don't know what I expected necessarily. And of course, if you're going to cross over a genre show, I guess you might as well do it with a genre show. But I appreciated that, I guess. I was actually really happy that Zoe Palmer said Torchwood because I've always thought that in regards to how Lost Girl portrays sexuality, Torchwood's kind of the closest or the most similar to to how they they go about it. I always thought that that Bo had a very similar attitude toward sex that Captain Jack Harkness had, has, I believe, as they say in the first or one of the first episodes, that if it's gorgeous, he'll shag it. I kind of feel like that's that's how Bo kind of goes about life. Doesn't matter, fey, human, male, female, but it's gorgeous, she'll shag it. And I think that that actually might be a possible crossover. It's not going to happen, obviously. Probably be more difficult to do a crossover with, with Star Trek, especially Next Generation, since they're supposed to be flying through space and all. But, but you know, Chris Holden Reed can dream. Um, where do you feel or want your characters to go in the fourth season? And how do you feel that Tamsin might play as a um, interference to both your characters' interests? <laughs> Assuming everyone's alive. <laughs> <laughs> she must die. She must die yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of love that Tamsin's around, actually. I love, I really, really do. First of all, I think Rachel's a fantastic job of playing her. And it brings a whole new dimension to um, the show. I think it, I think she's got a great vibe on it. And um, I don't know, as far as where Lauren's going to go, you know, every season, I think that uh, the more the merrier. Bring them on. You know? I think it's great. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Rachel's been so fun to work with. You know, we, her and I are like, I found my goofy twin on set. We literally pump in the stuff for each other all the time. Um, Yeah, you know, the, the love triangle, like, constantly hating itself, but... 
to Tamsin were, were interesting and, and good to hear about. Um, but I was kind of interested by what Chris Holden Reed said in regards to what he thought Dyson would be doing in, in season four by kind of a little flippantly maybe saying, oh, I'll probably be pining after Bo. So I, I, I wonder if maybe he's getting a little tired of, of the triangle to a certain extent. And he's said things like that before. So, I mean, I wasn't necessarily surprised by that answer, but it is interesting that he maybe feels that way. The next question, a little bit of it gets clipped off. So what the asker is asking about is Lauren's living wall in her apartment, that wall that has ivy or some kind of plant growing on it. Hi, I have a good question. Um, I've always been, had this fascination with wall in Dr. Crow's apartment. Does it smell? <laughs> kind of a silly question with some silly answers, but I thought it was interesting what Chris Holden Reed said about the the fan who speculated that maybe that wall was the ash, the, the season one ash. That's how maybe Lauren kept him in stasis, was somehow turning him into a plant. I kind of, I kind of like that, but at the same time, that's creepy to think of this man plant <laughs> looking at you, you know, because I mean, Bo and Bo and Lauren were apparently intimate in front of that plant in season three. <laughs> I was gonna say, awkward. Um, obviously, we're sitting here in just day to day clothes, but your costume show is so fantastic. And so I'm curious how comfortable are that, how much control you have with that, how you like the costume or don't like it, what you would change. Well, I mean, the real costume designer of the show that one started is Ann Dixon. She uh, had a great vision. You know, she would build a lot of things custom. Uh, but she was also very, you know, she, she would listen to us when we talked about what we thought about our characters. Or like, when I was needing something for a fight sequence, you know, she's gotten something really tight. She would really adapt it so that I could move. Or when we did the flashback scenes, you know, she was great. We built a whole look about where these guys had come from. And, uh, you know, 
it was a sort of a mix John I think wasn't really authentic the whole world was sort of like fade up but this, she had this great gift of bringing you know this sort of supernatural to historical pieces like all the rest of the Tyson where they're all custom made and she designed them and she has a great bunch of seamstresses to work together and build uh, and now our new uh, Marie Landry uh, she's really taken it to another level. She's brought a little more elegance, a little more fashion into it. And I know that Zoe for one has appreciated that. Yeah, you know, it's fun. I mean, Anne Dixon is, is, there aren't enough words. She's such a, an extraordinary cosmic designer. Um, and and they, they're really lovely about, you know, taking our preferences into account. You know, there's no sort of militant, we must wear this. Everybody, if, if there's something that he's not feeling right, character, you're, you're welcome to kind of bring it up, and they're really great about that, and then Noreen, because she's just a different human being, has brought some other vibe to it, and it's been kind of fun to get that, too, you know, to get a, a, another bunch of outfits that weren't in there. And I enjoy the costumes on the show, but but I do think, really, if you're going to ask cast members about the costumes, I would think Anna and Ksenia were the people to ask, as they wear the craziest things. I mean... I like Lauren and Dyson's sense of style, I guess. But but yeah, I mean, in terms of like getting good info on crazy costumes, those those two would be the the ones to ask. So, uh, how long does it take out to prepare for the episode of your lines and stuff like that? What do y'all like to do? We have fewer pieces. <laughs> <laughs> shooting TV series is fast, 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 fast. So as soon as we're finished shooting an episode, we take and that's why I've always been impressed with television production is because they do move so fast. I mean, a movie, which is, you know, maybe two, three at most times as long as a episode of television, they take months to film those, but uh, TV's, I think, eight days, so I'm always amazed at what they can do in those eight days and much, much smaller budgets. And I think that's also good to keep in mind sometimes when we as the fans are, are watching a show and we're thinking how did they not catch that little plot hole or how did how did they miss that continuity thing it's it's easy for us to remember that they shoot these things really really fast it's easy for us to forget that i mean and uh, so maybe we should give them a, a little bit of leeway in regards to maybe some of the smaller mistakes that they make this one's for zoe i just wanted to know when you said you got surprises with lauren's backstory and you said that it kind of affected the way they you made with acting with her and how she was portrayed early on. Is there anything you would go back and change if you had the privilege of her backstory from the beginning? Yeah, there was, I mean, I don't Thank even you. know if I can be specific, but there, there's a couple of moments where I, I would say a line, and, and I wasn't sure really how to say it, and I didn't know the intention behind it, which is kind of everything is an act of your intention. What do you want? How, how do you have you seen partner and what you want, your, your objectives, sort of everything. There's a couple of moments where I, I was unclear, mostly in the first season, when I didn't know if she really loved Bo or if it all was just a ploy or 
or where her loyalties lie. She was really sort of working for the Ash. Or I, I had no answers to any of those questions. But I think it worked out okay. I, think I had to play stuff really online a lot. I really had to play stuff in a way that if anything was revealed, it was fine. And I sort of said it that way, or you know, there was a lot of that going on. But um, she's a lot clearer now to me than the character. She's still sort of mysterious, but I, I think we understand she is inherently good, and she has both best interests at, at heart now. I think we know that, unless someone changes, which it could. I don't know. <laughs> I actually really liked this question. This was kind of something that I've been wondering myself. And I think a step further, I would be curious if as an actor, part of her process was maybe to go back and reconsider why Lauren made some of the decisions that she made in season one or in season two, even at this point, knowing what she knows now about Lauren. And in particular, the whole Nadia storyline storyline was not in existence when Zoe filmed season one. And so when she found out that, you know, Lauren had this girlfriend, she was in a coma, did that make her reconsider, okay, why did she make this decision to sleep with Bo? You know, I'm just curious if that's something that she as an actor does, or if maybe that's in the past, she's already shot that scene, she moves on, or or how much of, of the backstory she kind of keeps reconsidering as she learns more, because unlike films with tv characters actors stay with these with these characters for a really long time and they get new information hopefully a really long time hopefully a really long time and they get they get new information all the time whereas with with a a character in a film it may change a little bit while you're shooting but generally you shoot it for a couple months maybe even less than that and and then you move on you you usually don't get to go back to that character unless you happen to be in a like the x-men franchise or something like that but that that's very rare and it is one of those things that to me, to some extent, I wonder if it adds to it that they don't know, you know what I mean? Because we as the audience aren't supposed to know either. So basically not knowing has forced her to pick a reading that will work either way they decide to go. Therefore, we as the audience also see it as, you know, something that isn't decisive. Because the show hasn't really, isn't, isn't tipping its hand one way or the other. It allows for multiple interpretations as you are watching it. And honestly, going back and watching season one, now that I've seen season two and season three, I couldn't point to any one moment where I thought, oh, that seems out of character. Zoe maybe could have played that differently if she'd known this or that. I feel like she made very wise choices that really do read well, given that she didn't know where the storyline was going um, I think they still work, even though we now know kind of some of the backstory that was missing from that point. And I even, like in rewatching the second episode of the first season the other day, where there's a Will, there's a Faye, the scene with Bo and Lauren, where where Bo goes to Lauren's laboratory and asks her to start giving her the injections, they have this nice kind of flirty scene. And then Bo walks out, walks out of the, the lab and Lauren looks down at the microscope that she was sort of looking into when Bo came in the room. And she has kind of this... You can interpret it as maybe suspicious, maybe a little bit guilty. And when I was watching it a second time, immediately in my head, I thought, oh, she must be working on something to cure Nadia. And she's feeling guilty that she's maybe feeling attractive to Bo. And the rep in the microscope represents her loyalty to, to Nadia. But then I had to stop myself and realize, no. <laughs> Zoe had no idea that she had a girlfriend in a coma at that point. But it still works in that context, even though she had no idea at that point. 
The next couple of clips are questions for Chris Holden Reed about playing a wolf. Uh, yes, this question is for Chris. I was just wondering, what's it like for you to do a scene and speak growling and all that stuff and then come back maybe, what, a few weeks later and you see yourself on screen and you see that really cool lighting effect on your eyes and the roar they had to it. What's that like for you? It, it, I, I'm like, thank God for CGI. Because honestly, when I do it, sometimes I just feel like I'm a monkey out there. <laughs> <laughs> just hoping that it looks good. Holden Reed really does seem to enjoy playing a wolf. I, I always appreciate all the growls and the, the, the facial expressions that he does. I, I think he does a good job embracing Dyson's wolf self. I generally like the special effects that they do. I was curious, though, I'm surprised he didn't mention the new effects they added toward the end of season three, where we see Dyson and the other kind of wolf-like fae that he fights. I forget what the name was they had like these bulging muscle effects added to them in i believe episode 12 and episode 13 of season 3 so i'd be i'd be curious to know why they decided to add that element to the cgi effects uh, this question is for Zoe. we've heard the story through Jay Firetrip tells about Chris's audition so we know what scene he did there's four scenes in in the pilot with you and oh um, which one of those was your audition scene? Uh, we did the one in the bar in the, the pilot episode, and where my very first is ending. My God, you're beautiful. So that was in the audition. I think there may have been a third one, I can't remember, but definitely those two, when I first sort of examined them for the very first time. And I think I did three. There was one, just a regular audition, then a callback, and then a screen test with Anna to see if we sort of had anything you know, between us that, that translated as chemistry. Cool. <laughs> and then Anna and I knew each other beforehand, like not well. I mean, we weren't friends, but we had known each other just from the industry. So it was nice to be in an audition with somebody that we sort of had a connection with our We were friendly at that time. <laughs> So clearly one of the scenes was when Bo was examined or 
Lauren was examining Bo for the first time. But then the other one, she says, the one in the bar, but there isn't a bar scene in the original pilot. And I don't think there's a bar scene in the first episode either. So I'm curious which bar scene she's talking about. And I'm pretty sure I heard or read somewhere that uh, it was referring to the bar scene in, I think it's episode four, where they're... Where Kinsey and Bo are hanging out at the bar and Lauren happens to come by and they're all flirty and and Lauren's telling Bo not to get too drunk and... Well, but see, now I don't remember if it's that one or if it's the one where they're talking about the, um, how you know, on a, one, on a one to ten, what is the energy coming off of that person? Right. Okay. That one is in episode six, I think, that bar scene. So it's either one of those, right? <laughs> I, I know I've, I've, I heard Zoe talk about in an interview that she and Anna Silk kept giggling through the scene where, where they were talking about... Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe, maybe. But anyway, Zoe auditioned with a bar scene. Some bar scene. If somebody knows more about which bar scene, please let us know. As we are clearly very confused. Well, that does it for us on this episode. We would love to have feedback from you about the content of this episode, and we would also love to get feedback from you about our next episode, which is going to be about how sexuality is portrayed on Lost Girl. In fact, it is probably going to be a two-parter, the first part being about how sexuality in general is portrayed, and the second part about how sexual orientation is portrayed. You can email us that feedback to feedback at drinksatthedoll.com. You can follow us on Twitter and send us a message. We are Drinks at the Doll on Twitter. You can also call and leave us a voicemail, which we might include in the show. The number for our listener voicemail line is 972-514-7223. Try to keep your message under three minutes to avoid being cut off. Thank you again to Chris for being my guest. You can follow her on Twitter at ChrisGen. That's K-R-I-S-G-E-N. I'm your host, Stephanie, and thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.